Hey everyone, and welcome to The One Thing Podcast, a podcast that is designed to lean into one thing to help you reach more people and grow them deeper. Now in this episode, we're talking with small groups guru, Alan White, about how small groups can rebuild your church in 2021. Now, thanks to the pandemic of 2020, many churches saw an incredible drop in participation of its members and attendees. Now, having spent over 30 years connecting people in the body of Christ through small groups and helping churches start over 16,000 small groups and getting over 125,000 people engaged in their groups, Alan has looked into these trends and he looks into a new way forward to building your church. Now, I am excited to listen to Alan and hear what he has to say. He is a treasure trove of information. So without any further ado, let's go ahead and go straight to our interview with Alan White. Hey, Alan, welcome to the podcast. We're so glad to have you here. Hey, thanks, Jeremy, for having me. Yeah, so I'm going to start. Here's my very first question I want to ask you. What is one thing that most people don't think about with small groups, and particularly churches and ministries? What's one thing that they don't think about, but they should think about? Well, I think what they, what they don't think about is why their people want to be in a group. They think about why they want their people in a group but they don't think about why their people want to be in a group. So they're not, they're not looking at it from the perspective of their people. They're saying, Hey, I want to grow numbers in groups. I want to see all these people get deeper. They want to, but they don't, they don't see anything. They don't see what's the value. Why are people looking to be in a group themselves? Right. And so it, you know, and part of it comes from our limitation. Now, I can tell you all kinds of reasons why churches should have groups and, you know, statistically and research-based and all of the wonderful things that groups will produce in your church. But most pastors are not sociologists. I'm not either. Um, and uh, they don't know kind of the intimate details of their people's lives and why they would choose or reject a group or what kind of group that they might say yes to. And so the groups that most churches have are not necessarily bad. It's just that one size doesn't fit all. So then, you know, how do you provide enough variety of groups um, that the people can find one that they want to be a part of? Well, you can't, but you can give them permission and opportunity to create the group that they want to be in. That's interesting. So it's think about your audience first. That's what we talk about here. At least we always talk about the audience. We talk about not so much, don't focus on the what, but focus on the who and the why. Who are you trying to reach and why are you trying to reach them? If you can think of those, um, it'll make the what a lot easier. So that's great. So, hey, Alan, so what I wanted to ask you about today is, you know, we've come out of a pandemic. 2020 uh, was a tough year. It changed the game for everybody. And 2021, sure. um, right now, you know, out here in California, we're finally starting to open up a little bit and everybody's getting back into business as usual, so to speak, but we're not necessarily seeing business as usual, so to speak, in the sense that some things have changed. Why don't you tell me about what are some of the things that you've seen that become different uh, during uh, during the COVID pandemic? What, what are some of the things that have changed? How has that changed ministry and the way that we look at things? Yeah, now that's a big topic. I try, I try to talk to pastors almost every day across North America to kind of hear what they're dealing with. And of course, some churches have been over COVID for well over a year and they've regathered for worship. Other parts of North America, they're just now coming out of a second lockdown. And there are few churches I've talked to that have not reopened since March 2020. I think the big thing that we're seeing is that 
2021 is different from 2020, thank God. Um, but 2021 is also not going back to 2019. And I think mm. that's because of a couple of reasons. One is there's a lot of information and misinformation and changing information related to the pandemic. I'm uh, currently working with the church in Lansing, Michigan. I am their outsourced small group pastor. And as we started groups in the spring, we discovered there were people that only wanted to meet online. There were people that wanted to meet with other people who had been vaccinated. There were people that wanted to meet with other people that had lived carefully. There were some people that only wanted to meet with their group outside. And there were others that their attitude was more like pandemic schmandemic. There was wow. no such thing. So how, how do you do that with all of those different attitudes toward it? Well, we allowed them to gather the group that they wanted to be a part of. And we didn't, we didn't go down to, okay, you went Tuesday night and everybody's been vaccinated and they're going to be outside and they're still going to wear masks and they offer childcare. I can't get that micro, but people could gather people they were comfortable with and saw some interesting things. I had one group that was made up entirely of Haitians and they do their study in Creole. And wow. uh, we didn't look for a Creole speaking small group. So that's one thing It's just that there's, you know, people are still in a lot of different places on the issue. And you can see that, you know, going into the store and, um, and, and a lot of it is what they, what people believe, what information they've heard, what they've experienced. The other thing that I've seen is that people have completely divested themselves of almost everything in the last 16 months. You know, they're, maybe they're working at home, maybe they're essential workers and they had to work in public. Um, maybe they're, you know, doing online school with their kids at home. But outside of that, they stopped going to church for in-person services. They stopped serving at church because the churches weren't, weren't open for serving in that way. Um, they gave up their kids' sports teams. They gave up their other social activities. And I think that we're at a point now where people are going back and examining, saying, what, what am I going to bring back? What is meaningful to me? What is significant enough that I want to put my energy into? I mean, things as simple as, and I say this jokingly, but seriously, I would rather order whatever I need from Walgreens on the app, drive to the store, park, let them know I'm there, and have them bring it to the car, than wander around the store trying to find things. It's not that big of a store, and yet I never can find things, and then stand in line while they're looking for the cashier. I'm done with that. I'm going to do it on the app from now on. I'm not, oh, I don't absolutely. care if I ever go I'm, back I'm, in there I'm again. I'm such an app orderer right now. I do everything yeah. on the app. It's so like, I think, you know, a lot yeah. of our, our life has changed. And so, you know, I hear churches that they would love to have more in-person services, but they can't because there aren't enough people to work in children's ministry to support that service because people that were dedicated to that gave it up for a year or more and they're not coming right back. What, so why aren't they coming back? So well, why aren't I, they coming back if they're maybe maybe that's not what they were gifted to do. Maybe, you know, they got talked into it. Um, you know, and not that I'm averse to that. I had a, a teacher of a children's class one time that said, Pastor Allen, considering that I'm six years into my one year commitment, I was wondering um, if I could get a break. And I thought, yeah, you can have a break. And I thought, good grief, so disloyal, so unfaithful. Come on. But uh, I'm teasing. But I think, you know, part of it is people are reevaluating their commitments. I think some people, just the idea of putting all their family in a car and, and even driving to church and dealing with all of that, it's just, you know, I see it in small groups too. You know, I see p parents with younger kids, um, they'll put their kids to bed 
and they'll meet with their group on Zoom at eight o'clock at night. And even though they'd like to see everybody in person, it's just easier to do that. And yeah. so um, people will take this wrong because it sounds wrong, but I think that COVID has made us just a little bit lazy. I think you're right. I totally think you're right. <laughs> well, you know, when Zoom starts with a Z, you know, what else starts with a Z? Like, there you go. You know, sleeping and all that. But oh my goodness. Yeah. So here, here's the thing I'm wanting to know is how does this impact then how churches need to, um, to rethink their strategies for reaching people? especially as yeah. they're coming into the fall, usually fall. I mean, before all this pandemic stuff, you know, we had our campaign seasons. You have a, you have a Christmas campaign, you have an Easter campaign, maybe you do a little summer one, then you do a fall campaign. I mean, as churches are getting ready for the fall, how are they going to think differently than they have in the past about, about reaching not only the community, but maybe even re-reaching out to their own congregation? Yeah, something that I wrote about back in March um, is coming true, fortunately. It's nice that the things that I write about come true. But the thing is that right now what we're experiencing is um, people have a little more freedom and they are gone. Hmm. I mean, airlines are adding flight routes and all of that. People are gone. And uh, just like after the Spanish influenza 1918, 1919, we got the roaring 20s and people traveled widely. However, people have been kept apart for a very long time. And so what I see happening coming to the fall is that this may be the biggest fall launch for small groups in a church that we've ever seen because people were wow. kept apart for so long and they're wanting to connect now. How we connect them as far as who, who they're with, how they do that, um, that's where we have to you know, listen to our people and provide a little bit of flexibility. So maybe that's doing a survey of the congregation. I do an assessment with churches where we take some survey data and, you know, because there's always that little bit of disequilibrium between what the staff thinks is happening in the church and what the people think are actually happening. And, you know, and usually as a staff, we think we're doing a little better than we are. So we could survey people. We could, um, you know, do focus groups with people, just have yeah. conversations with people about what they're open to, what they're excited about, um, what they need, that sort of thing. So, so going back to the, those questions that you're asking, what kind of questions, so when you're saying what they need and all that, what kind of questions are those? Are those like, you know, hey, what, what struggles are you having right now? What are your victories right now? Those kind of questions, or is it, hey, if the church could do anything to help you in this next season? I mean, what, what are those questions? Yeah, I think it, it goes a long way. Some of it is, you know, would you be willing to start a group? And if you were giving something, you know, easy to use, you know, I prefer like a video-based curriculum because they don't want to be the teacher. And as pastor, you don't want them to be the teacher. Um, but I think beyond that, um, who are they willing to meet with? Uh, how are they willing to meet? And then, yeah, and then you ask a good question of why would they need to meet at this point? What's what's a pressing need in their life? Uh, what What's something that they want to work on? What is their spiritual next step? Um, to begin to look at those sorts of things. Where, where do they need to grow? How do they need to connect? And it could be, you know, for some churches where, you know, their people have lived in the area for a long time. They don't need a group to connect. They've got, you know, lifelong friends, but they need a group in order to grow. So who's yeah. going to support them? Who's going to hold them accountable? Who's going to help them with their spiritual next steps? Um, but even to identify, you know, with people of, what even to ask people what is the, what is the next thing what's the thing in front of you that you want to work on and maybe it's 
their marriage and maybe it's their prayer life and maybe it's, you know, getting out of debt, who knows, but we shouldn't assume, Oh, we have a really great program and we have a product that's looking for a customer, if you will. But we ask our people, um, what is it that you need? And then we offer, you know, what, what they need along those lines. And, uh, and I'm a big believer in church-wide campaigns and, and that sort of thing. I think there's something about the senior pastor rallying everybody. I don't think it's for the purpose of, oh, isn't it cute that everybody's studying the same thing? I think it's for the purpose of, you know, how do we recruit more leaders or at least have somebody open up their home or invite some friends and at least start a leadership development process. But I think we go back to asking our people because I think a lot of times we pour our heart and soul into things um, that you know, we hope, we think will be very effective and then they don't turn the result that we think that it should. And it's not that our people are faithless. It's not that our people are bad. It's just that they're not interested. And uh, well, why would they be interested in spiritual things? Well, they are interested in spiritual things that they're interested in. Um, and so how do you gauge that? And so again, getting back into offering you know, some variety, some different sorts of things. Um, but I think given the right opportunity, if people can gather with who they want to gather with in the method they want to gather, the format they want to gather, um, studying something that's meaningful to them, I think people will jump in and do small groups in a very big way. So do you, if, if uh, I guess you could say if churches, would, would they play their cards right, this could be the one of the biggest booms of church growth yeah, in 2021 I, I, that we've seen in a I long completely, time. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And I think part of it is because, you know, I, I talk to a lot of pastors. Well, some church, there are a few churches that never closed, but I won't tell you who that is. And then some churches, you know, they've already exceeded where they were pre-COVID. Um, but then there are a lot of churches that are a third, a half full, um, and their people are still there. And then there are those churches that unfortunately it's like, they just have no idea who's with them and who's left. And um, that's kind of a scary place to be. So there is that part that everybody's not back yet. And then there's the other part of as churches have moved their worship services online, that their online reach is astonishing. I was working with the church last year down in San Diego, normally 10,000 on the weekend their Easter was a hundred thousand. Their regular wow. services following that were 40, 50,000. They increased their wow. groups by 211% in 2020. I was talking to a small group pastor yesterday of a church that this being June, 2021, they have not reopened to in-person services, but what they discovered was, and this is a church with 7,000 members. And what they discovered was, that they've gone from being a regional church to being a national church. They have members all over the country that are engaging online. They have small groups all over the country that were invited to invite people they knew in their community. And could you imagine trying to place people into groups if they're all over the country? No, start your own group. So I think there's some implications of that. I mean, it was a church I was working with down in uh, Georgia last year, that traditional church, legacy church, 400 people, COVID hit, they went online, their online worship attendance was 1,600. And that wasn't counting like one second views. Um, But I I think that, you know, how do we disciple our online followers? How do we offer them the next steps, the growth track, the membership class, 
uh, the development process that we would offer somebody if it's in person. I mean, just because it's online doesn't mean that it's fake. It doesn't mean that it's just a toy. I mean, it's a real thing. And there are a lot of people that are watching online services that wouldn't show up on a Sunday morning because they don't want people watching them, but they're very interested because this last 16 months has discombobulated everybody. You think of the political chaos, you think of all of the racial tension, you think of, of course, the pandemic and all of the information and misinformation surrounding that, um, everything related to um, gender and all kinds of things. I think people are more confused than they've ever been And yet this disruption to people's lives is a huge opportunity to share the gospel with them because people are open and they need something that's solid and something that's not going to change. They need that, you know, rock that they can cling to. So I I jokingly say, but it's not a joke that Jesus is still the answer. It's just that all the questions keep changing. (laughs) So Alan, right now you have a pastor or ministry leader that's listening to you right now. They're listening to this podcast. They're, they're with you. They're saying, yeah, I, I get it. My church numbers are down. You know, we're not sure our, our, our membership is not engaging as it did pre pandemic, any of that, um, from a small group pastor, small group, um, coach perspective, what would you say would be the best next steps for them? If they're, if they're really wanting to try to get back into growing their church and not, not just in numbers, but growing it in depth as well, growing it, you know, as you say, grow wider and grow deeper. Yeah, I would see what your people are open to would be one. And the second mm-hmm. thing would be to determine where your pastor, your senior pastor is headed this fall as, as far as a series goes. Um, I see a lot of small group pastors that wear themselves out because they keep saying, well, I can't get my my senior pastor on board with small groups. I can't get him on board with my strategy. And I'm like, well, here, here's a newsflash. I've been in ministry just over 30 years. I've been an associate pastor for most of that time. And here's the deal. It's not a small group pastor's job to get the senior pastor on board because it is the senior pastor's boat. So how do you get on board with where your senior pastor is headed? So backing up way back 2004, when we did this for the first time, my senior pastor was headed down the road of doing a sermon series on the passion of the Christ and had already bought advertising. And when I walked into his office and I said, hey, Pastor Dave, what if we launched a series off of the Passion of the Christ? What if we launched groups off of the Passion of the Christ? He said, I think that's a great idea. Why? <laughs> because that's where he was headed in the first place. Yep. Yep. And so, of course, you know, anything that any passion that the senior pastor has, any direction that you're going, um, you know, there is a small group reason to, to head that way. So where's your pastor headed? What are your people open mm-hmm. to? And then yeah. beyond that is a matter of, as a small group pastor, how can you multiply yourself to support the ministry, to sustain the ministry? Because you could do a six-week thing, a flash in the pan, and get all kinds of excitement and get all kinds of people into groups and then watch the whole thing you know, fall off the cliff. And that's completely unnecessary, but you have to have um, enough structure in place so that at least you go from chaos uh, to organized chaos. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Alan, um, you have tons of wisdom. I always, I always refer you anytime you get called about a curriculum job of any sort, you're the next call I always make because I know out there, I can't think of anybody better out there that knows this space. Um, if there's anybody out there, they want to, they want to follow up more. They want to hear more about what you have to say about small groups and maybe even engage you possibly for coaching or even help them 
uh, launch groups this next fall, uh, would be the best way for them to find you? Yeah, they can find me on my website, which is alanwhite.org. So A-L-L-E-N, white, like the color, .org, not .com, because there's some weirdness over there. But alanwhite.org, and that weirdness <laughs> has nothing to do with me. Um, and then my email is just alan at alanwhite.org. And it's not because I'm a narcissist. It's just that I'm not very creative. So um, anyway. Well, we prefer to be clear over being cute. There you go. And I don't yeah. think I'm cute. I'm, I'm 56. I'm too old to be cute. But anyway, yeah, I, I would be more than happy uh, to uh, talk to anybody. My, you can schedule an appointment on there. Just click a button and find a day and time on my calendar. Uh, send me an email. I think my cell phone number is on there. So however you want to contact them. And Jeremy, I appreciate uh, your, your kind words in uh, referring people to uh, me. Of course, I refer a lot of people to you as far as video projection goes, because uh you are my no drama uh, video production crew. And uh, in video production world, that's a rare thing, but it's a needed thing. <laughs> so yeah, thank you. <laughs> maybe, maybe we should come with a certification for that. You know, you put a little maybe. badge on your website. We are no drama. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Al. Well, thank you so much. I love talking with you. We'll have to get you on again sometime. And uh, I'll talk to you again soon. All right. Thank you, Jeremy. Now, here is the one thing that I took away from this interview with Alan. It's one word, it's listen. We have to listen to others. You know, it doesn't matter what great strategy you have, if you're not listening to what the needs of the people in your church and your community have, it doesn't matter. It's just you going out and doing a bunch of cool stuff on your own. Now, what I'm gonna encourage you to do is this next week, take some time to listen to people's needs. Go have a cup of coffee. Do whatever it takes to listen to what people are wanting. Now, second, you need to listen to your leadership. Not only do small group pastors need to listen to their senior pastors, as Alan said, but so do us as creatives. We have to align to the main message of our pastor. Now, of course, I also want to take that takeaway and I want to listen to you. So take a moment and please leave a note in the comments about what you want to hear more about in one of our upcoming podcasts. Also, if you're looking to relaunch your small groups this fall with a custom curriculum, go ahead and check out 110pictures.com slash curriculum. That's O-N-E-T-E-N pictures.com slash curriculum. And you can see right there how we can help you reach more and grow deeper using groups and curriculum. All right, we'll see you guys next time.